Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for time spent uh, sitting under your word. Please wash us and sanctify us and feed us and nourish us now as we listen to you. Be with us, make us holy by your truth. For this your word is truth. Amen. One thing I've been really surprised at over the last 10 to 15 years of my own life anyway is just how many people go and hand over good amounts of money to fortune tellers and psychics. Some of these people I've known really, really well and so I've heard pretty comprehensive accounts of what they said and what the fortune teller or psychic said in response. And I'm thinking that at best these people hand out very generic predictions but at worst they're colluding with the demonic realm. Either way though, either way their clarity and their accuracy are deeply and profoundly flawed. And most of the people paying this money, they've hit hard times or they're at a crossroad in their life and they're a bit restless and they need some answers and they want them now. They're not willing to wait. And so they open their purses and their wallets and they pay human beings in the hope of an accurate prediction of a better future. And we hear stories like this in the church and maybe we think, well, this doesn't really affect us. This is out there in the world. It's not really about us. But the church actually suffers from a similar problem. Even though Jesus assures you in the parable of the weeds today that God has your future and a glorious future that it is in his hands, there are going to be times when that assurance does not satisfy you. There will be times when you'll get restless and maybe even try to plan and shore up your own future in your own strength. It's an odd situation. We want to know what the future holds for us. We want to know that we'll be okay. We want to know that there's some security and things will turn out just like we've hoped and like we've dreamed. And God gives us this accurate accurate picture with this full assurance in his word. It's a complete and a comprehensive picture. It doesn't leave anything out. And today he says, The righteous shall shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. That's what the future holds. But for some reason, we're not always satisfied with that. And I think it's a deeper issue than simply being restless. It's a deeper issue than simply feeling impatient with our lives. At its root, what we're really talking about is a question of trust. Whose hands is your life in? Your hands or someone else's or something else's or someone else? Who holds your life, your future in their hands? The truth is we're impatient We lose focus when things get hard and tough, we do. And worst of all, we don't always turn to God when this happens. Often we turn to exactly the same things that many other Australians turn to and that is our own personal idols. An idol? What idol? I'm going to turn to idols. An idol is whatever you set your heart on and trust in to bring you comfort and relief. I want to say that again, an idol is whatever you set your heart on and trust in to bring you comfort and bring you relief. What is that for you? Idols are often neutral in and of themselves but when you throw your trust behind them, 
They become an idol or your own small g God. Not the big g God, that's the God of the universe. A small g God is something less than that. And they might be investments, they might be wealth, it might be financial stuff, it might be phones and technology, it might be Facebook, it might be houses, cars, a particular career path or a job. It might be sex. It might be fame, stars, sports. Is chocolate an idol? We can make an idol out of almost anything. We're experts, experts at building up idols. So just ask yourself today, again what we spoke about before, what couldn't I live without? Maybe there's more than one thing competing for your attention in your life. There's a famous person in the church that said that the human heart is a perpetual idol factory. It's a, the heart is a factory that just makes idols all the time. It never stops. And I think this person is right still today. But whether it's fortune tellers or whether it's false prophets or any of the idols that we mentioned before, they all lack something only God gives you with any kind of real perfection. And that, my friends, is 100% accuracy. 100% accuracy. Only God speaks into your life with 100% accuracy every single time he opens his mouth to speak to you. The things you set up as idols or small g gods in life will lead you astray and away from God. That's a well-tested fact. Now, like I said before, not all these things are, in, are bad in and of themselves. It's only when we fully place our trust in them and rely on them and depend on them that they become an idol. So don't hear me saying that Facebook is evil or anything like that. I'm not saying that. Okay? But when we trust in these things more than God, they become an idol. And all idols, they demand something. They demand sacrifice. So if your job is your idol, you'll be asked to sacrifice your family time. If technology is your idol, your, your relationships will be placed on the sacrificial altar because you won't have time for real people and real interaction with people because you've got your head on a computer screen all the time. We don't have time today to pile up the altar with the demands money idols require of people. But it doesn't stop. Idols promise you the world and they never ever deliver on their false promises. They just keep making demands on you. They wear you down. You probably already know that. They're inaccurate and they are terribly persistent slave drivers. And so we come to Isaiah 44, which uh, Martin read before. And these people, they know all about slave drivers and idols because they're surrounded by them. Isaiah, he's a prophet in a real tough time in Israel's history. These people are in a time of political instability, they're in times of war, they're in exile in a foreign land and they're in trauma. They're going to be looking for some comfort. Even on a practical level, most have lost their homes, they've lost all their possessions, they've lost their freedom and they will have lost their loved ones too in the war that actually led to this exile. Could they still look to God after all this has happened to them? You see, just one point here. Ancient people believed that when they went into battle, their gods went into battle as well. And so the victorious nation obviously had more powerful gods. That's the belief anyway. 
Now, Israel has been defeated and they've been carried off into exile. Can you imagine the impact of that belief on them? Their entire identity is wrapped up in their relationship with the creator of the universe. How are they going to be feeling right now? Will God do anything? Should they turn now to the small g gods, the idols of the other nations where they are? Should they worship them in the land of their captivity? That's how Satan would have tempted them and that's how he tempts all of us too. That's the task of the weeds sown in amongst the wheat that Jesus was talking about this morning. The weeds' job is to distract you, to divert you, to worry you and to lead the people of God astray. So would the Israelites discover hope, redemption and a future in idols made by human hands? Or should they turn back to God? Should they find their future hope, their identity, forgiveness and cleansing in Him? I want you to reflect on that and ask yourself, how would you answer that in your life? God has something to say today to each one of us. Something more impressive than any idol, something more impressive than any human prediction God is actually telling you about himself today. I wonder if you heard it in the Isaiah reading. He lays it out. This is what the Lord says, Israel's King and Redeemer, the Lord Almighty, I am the first and I am the last. Apart from me, there is no God. The Lord uses six names for himself in this verse. Lord, King, Redeemer, Lord Almighty, first and last, and God. And he uses a seventh in verse 8, which is rock. He is Lord, Yahweh, the I am who I am, as he told Moses at the burning bush in Exodus. And his name tells you about who God is. It stresses the grace of God, his undeserved love and favour, his mercy, his compassion, his forgiveness. When Moses wanted to see his glory, the Lord told Moses, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name, Yahweh, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. He is the Lord and He is your Lord. God calls Himself King. Now we know a king rules but more importantly, a king fights battles on behalf of his subjects. In the Bible, in the Old Testament, Saul had the title of king, but it was David who did the work of a king. He fought the Israelites' battle for them when they accepted the challenge of that Philistine giant, Goliath, and he took him out with a stone, didn't he? And then the people of Israel honoured David as their king, proclaiming, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. And the reason I mention this is because the Lord met your enemy, Satan, and he fought your battle for you and for all of us. And not only did he go into battle, but he disarmed Satan by taking away his power he had over you, that power of sin. He paid the penalty for your sins. He took the place of all of us, dying for us, rising for us, and overcoming that eternal prison of hell. The Lord is your King The Lord calls himself Israel's Redeemer and a Redeemer is a person who makes the necessary arrangements to set a person free. 
Maybe you've seen in the news in the past weeks, I saw it uh, on TiVo somewhere about Dick Smith. Didn't he pay like $500,000 to release someone who was captive in the Middle East? He did the work of a redeemer. He paid the price to uh, the captives that this man, this Australian man might be released from captivity in the Middle East and be able to come back to his family. When the Israelites were stuck as slaves in Egypt, the Lord declared, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. Jesus redeemed you by himself through his own life in your place. He called you out of slavery to sin and idols with all their demands that they place upon your life, all the captivity and wearing down that they do on you. He released you from their captivity and he made you free through his holy and precious blood which we get to participate in today as we come to Holy Communion. He is your Redeemer. God is Lord Almighty. The NIV says Almighty and you know that doesn't quite cut it. It doesn't quite cut it. The actual text says He is the Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts. And that means He has the angel armies together with all the rest of creation at His command to do His bidding. He has power, almighty power, power that you have behind you and in front of you every single moment of every single day. Power that is at work protecting your life. He is the Lord of hosts exercising his mighty power in your life today. God is the first and the last. He's everlasting. The first four words of scripture read, in the beginning God. When creation began, he was there. When when the beginning began, he was there. And he's also there at the end. When the elements melt with the burning heat, the Lord will be there to create new heavens and a new earth, just like Jesus pointed us to today. God is the first and the last and he invites you into his kingdom which surpasses anything this world has to offer. The Lord alone is worthy of the title God. Luther says, whatever you set your heart on and put your trust in is truly your God. Who is your God? Know today that the Lord and only the Lord deserves the title God. Nothing else that you turn to for comfort or peace in your life deserves this title. God alone is the sole source of all that is good. He alone provides real living refuge in times of trouble and distress. The Lord is your God and he is one. Who then is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and lay out before me what has happened since I established my ancient people and what is yet to come. Yes, let him foretell what will come. God points to his record. He is 100% correct when predicting the future, unlike human fortune tellers, unlike the idols we turn to, unlike false prophets, he doesn't make mistakes, he never has and he never will. Is there anyone in the past with a 100% record in predicting the future? Let him speak, says God. Is there anyone who wants to try his hand at predicting the future and getting it right 100% of the time? Let them speak. God gets it right every time. 
He has the record to back it up and he challenges anyone to equal that record of past and future. Now friends, you are witnesses of the accuracy record of the Lord. Look to the cross today and know that all your sins have been dealt with there. Know with 100% certainty that nothing has been overlooked. Nothing has been missed. There is nothing the Lord hasn't cleansed or cannot cleanse with the power of the cross. Know that He is your rock. Know that He is solid. Know that He is reliable. Know that when He tells you your future is secure and in His hands, that you can trust Him. Your God is the King. Your God is the Redeemer. Your God is the Almighty Lord of hosts. He is the first and the last. He is Yahweh and He is your rock. Just two verses from Isaiah. All it takes. Two verses. Two verses to see that the idols we bow down to every day are worthless, laughable, pathetic, of no value whatsoever in comparison to the God who loves us, the God who redeems our lives and walks with us each day in a living relationship. He is the only one who is worthy of the title God. Friends, call on him and know for certain that your present and your future are 100% secure in his hands. In Jesus' name, Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your name is the name above all names, that you are our rock, that you are our redeemer, that you pour gifts of priceless worth and value into our lives. We thank you that you do that for us today and we thank you that you walk with us in a living relationship today and every day. May we be willing to receive and take on everything that you have for us, Lord. And may we be willing to share your name and your presence and your gifts with those we know who walk around burdened and carried, uh, carrying around idols, being slaves to sin, feeling weighed down. Father, help us to point them to you. Help, help us to point them to Isaiah 44 and all your titles, which aren't just titles, Lord, but actually describe how you are at work in all of our lives. We thank you that you are our Redeemer and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.